Hi, my name is Eric Scheffler. I'm the Lanning County Sheriff. Welcome to Hope Exists Podcast. Each episode, we'll discuss how we can create a healthier and safer community. One of my top priorities as sheriff. We'll discuss our topics with local and national experts, as well as a great perspective getting it right here from the Lanning City Boys and Girls Club. Today, our special guests include Stephanie, Chief Executive Officer of the Lanning City Boys and Girls Club. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here uh, at our music it, studio. Yes, this is awesome. This is really awesome. And, and what we're going to talk about mostly today is uh, partnerships and how partnerships have been able to uh, improve the services that we all are able to give to the people out there. And, and partnerships have enriched uh, my agency and, and my relationships uh, over the past four years as sheriff. So uh, we'd like to hear some of your perspective on it. And we're absolutely going to hear our uh, guest uh, youth speaker. Um, and uh, we'll get a little bit of your perspective as well, right? Yes. <laughs> so uh, let, let, let me talk a little bit about Stephanie first and, uh, you know, give her a little bit of her uh, accolades. Um, Stephanie really is a superstar here in Atlantic County. I've been lucky enough to be able to work with her and sit on a board, uh, another board together. And... Um, you know, she, what an amazing uh, attribute she is, not only to the Boys and Girls Club, but to our community. She spent a lot of time in the Philadelphia area working for nonprofits. Uh, we were lucky enough to get you back here in Atlantic County where you were born and raised. And uh, over the past uh, year or so, you, you basically took charge in uh, 2020, correct? Correct. Five weeks before the pandemic hit. Well, it's a great time, right? <laughs> it's one of my. would have known, but it's it's really been a whirlwind of excitement. We did not go dormant during the pandemic, and really, it brought our team closer together from the start. Which is amazing, right? Because so many uh, programs out there went dormant completely, and especially those that service uh, young people in our community. And you were able to keep your doors open. How did you were able to do that? Really pure drive, pure energy, pure drive. As a youth development organization, we see no other vehicle for change other than ourselves. So what we've done is we've extended and expanded our services. We're now open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. across our three sites in Atlantic City because if we weren't open, our parents couldn't return to work. Our children are now attending school virtually out of the club. We've trained our staff in terms of helping them with virtual learning and academic enrichment. We're serving breakfast and snacks. And in many ways, our staff were really happy to get the extra hours and come on in. Um, we were closed for the first six weeks due to an executive order uh, by Governor Murphy. All child care centers were closed. Um, for those of you who don't know, our, our Chelsea Club and our Drexel Club are actually licensed child care centers. So we report to the Department of Children and Families. We're extremely safe and, and what have you. Um, but that being said, we knew that we had to reopen. We knew that our kids needed a place to go and seeing them reunited with their mentors and with our club staff was like nothing I've ever seen. Um, we opened for a summer camp over the summer. We had 150 kids last summer during a pandemic. Wow. We became experts in using Purell before and after anything that you did. We became experts at taking temperatures. We downsized our census. Um, so we operated with pods of 10, even here at the teen center. And we just didn't go dormant. We knew that this was what our mission was, and we had to do it. In addition to that, we served entire families. So we expanded to that two-generation approach. We had food distributions, and we delivered materials to, to homes. We were the go-to questionnaire, you know, when parents had questions about COVID. 
And, you know, I think that's what really the Boys and Girls Club was meant to do, transcend our, our brick and mortar, transcend our buildings, and provide the services that our families need so that our kids can be safe. Wow. That's, I mean, I'm speechless, and that not, doesn't usually happen. Um, but, no, it's truly amazing. I mean, it really, really is. I mean, it, you know, morphing into something different and actually providing more services during this time is just truly amazing. It really is. And, and I mean, you know, I know how, how amazing you are as an individual, but the leadership within this Boys and Girls Club in, in our area, we are just you know, truly privileged and lucky to have you. Well, I don't do it alone. I have a really wonderful team here, and, you know, I, I, I cannot take the accolades myself because it really is for them to have. Um, you know, they have not gone dormant. They have kept up speed. Um, and in many ways, Sheriff, it's, it's, you know, a tribute to what you're doing in the community. Atlantic City was really turning the curve of change before the pandemic, and that point of revitalization was in arm's reach. And there's people like you and I who are on the streets you know, working at Ground Zero to get us back to that place because we do believe in the future. Um, and the future really is a good reminder every time you walk in the club and you see our club kids, you know, building their future here because of the programs that we're offering. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I know that, you know, one of you, your highlights of uh, over the past year, even though, even though that the pandemic was so rough, was your STEAM uh, lab that and your partnership with Apple. Yes. You know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I came to the club with a vision of creating hands-on learning for all children at all three of our sites. And much of that learning um, in, in serving our club kids is they want to touch something. We have a healthcare classroom downstairs with phlebotomy kits and skeletons because our kids need to touch. They're, they're visual learners. So we had an idea. How can we create science, technology, engineering, art, and math hands-on learning at our clubs. Um, and we knew that we could do that through robotics. We also recognized that hospitality is certainly our high priority, high priority occupation here in Atlantic City, but we have to create another industry because our club kids want to do something beyond what their parents have done. This next generation wants to do something different. They, they aren't really apt to just assuming that they're gonna work in a casino. They right. wanna see what else is out there. So we created the STEAM Lab. And the STEAM Lab is located at the Chelsea Club, and we're actually creating the next generation of coders in Atlantic City. These kids, within the first six weeks, have built robots. They're moving around the club. They're using Apple devices. Um, Apple has come in and trained our staff. They were offering expert technical assistance. In fact, our STEAM director is part of their community initiatives team across the nation, so speaking and sharing the special sauce of other STEAM labs that are available across the country, mostly at schools. Um, and then we've expanded that to the teen center. So here at the teen center, we have a design lab. And in that design lab, students are learning Adobe Photoshop. They're getting certified in it. And they're developing logos and branding and all types of things. Down the road, it'll be websites. But the idea is creating a social enterprise. So if you want to be branded, <laughs> we can do that for you at the club. Well, I think uh, we are using the club members to brand our podcast. Exactly. So th and that's another partnership. Uh, creating more opportunities for the kids w that work with you and, and also, um, you know, on so many different levels that we're able to communicate with each other. It's amazing. It really is. And, and as you, uh, I think one of the times you and I had an opportunity to speak, you were telling me about, you know, it's, it's learning a second language. And it really is the language of the future. It truly is. You know, so it's just an amazing uh, process for and opportunities uh, for the kids in, in Atlantic City. But it's really servicing the entire Atlantic County. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. We yes. And and truthfully, so everyone is aware, especially those listening to the podcast. Anyone can be a club member. You don't have to live in Atlantic City. 
um, a lot of our children actually are transient. Sometimes they'll move to Pleasantville, they'll come back. We have kids that take the bus from ACIT to our club in the afternoon. Um, so we won't say no to anyone. We welcome diversity. Um, we welcome children from all over the area. So we want to be able to be helpful to as many people as possible. That's amazing. That's great. And inclusiveness is really a theme when it comes to partnerships, right? And, and I have a lot of different partners. And, and of course, the Boys and Girls Club is one of my partners, uh, and which is awesome. Some of the things that we've been doing together, of course, the podcast is one of them. Um, but it really is when you're making these partnerships, and if we're looking at inclusiveness, the strength of that is just amazing. Uh, and, and I think that's what we bring to the table. Uh, with that. You raise a really wonderful point. We at the club, uh, you know, we're actually a very diverse team, both in, in staff and children across our, our three sites. And I often like to say that diversity is our strength, but unity is what's going to fuel us to the next step. Um, and, and it's important to understand that. We bring partners in because we can't be good at everything. Right. And we want the experts to partner with our staff who are experts in youth development to deliver those messages and those opportunities for career exploration for our kids. Well, you're, you know, that's really the nail and the and the hammer, right? I mean, it, it, you hit it right on the head. It, people all the times when we talked about some of the partnerships that I've created with my Hope One project, and it's one of the most successful treatment placement programs in Atlanta County history, not alone the state of New Jersey. And, you know, uh, I was just told recently it could be one of the most successful in the country, which shocks me, honestly, but, I, you know, it also excites me. But And people are like, how'd you do it? And we just talked to the originator of the Hope One project the other day on a, another podcast, and uh, the the gentleman uh, Alton Robinson was saying, "Sheriff, how, how are you pulling this off? You're doing the numbers we've never seen before." It's about partnerships. It's about understanding what we don't do well, and it's about working with other groups that do that well. And when you when you're able to open up and when you're able to share, you know, whatever that may be, because there's you know a lot of egos based in a lot of things that we do, um, depending on where you are in a position, depending on what kind of job you go for, depending on what agency you run, depending on where you're at in your life, a lot of times people think that they need to control it all. But the truth of it is, is that you can only go so far by yourself. Um, and by creating a partnership and by relying on other people and by working with people and by opening up those people, uh, you're able to compound your ability to affect change in such a drastic way. And that's really what this podcast is about, right? This podcast is truly about affecting change and, and affecting change in our local communities um, as well as our national communities. And we can affect change. We can create healthier communities, which will correlate directly to safer communities. And everyone wants to live in a safe community, right? Everyone wants, and that's always, you always hear that a lot of times, especially in law enforcement on my side, I hear, you know, uh, you know, my community's not that safe and I need more police protection. I need this, I need that. Well, we can look at the root, right? It's called an upstream mentality. We can look at the root at the top of the stream and why that community is not safe. And we can address that issue all the way at the top of the stream, not all the way at the end where the waterfall is and people are going over, but further up, um, we can create healthier communities. And they, these types of partnerships and these type of agencies and opportunities for people absolutely create healthier communities. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. When I first came to the club, I, I'll never forget, um, it was February, and obviously it was getting dark at that time quite <laughs> early. And, you know, our clubs closed. At that time, the teen center closed at 9 o'clock. And our doors would open, and they would close, and our teens would be walking home. And at that point, before COVID, we probably had about 130 kids in this teen center every night. 
And watching them walk across our 48 blocks at 9 o'clock at night stung me mm. because I worried about the safety of the community. Right. How can we get them home safely without distraction? How can we make sure that they're going to come back tomorrow? And that's always been a challenge for the club. And I think it's really important that you know we ask our youth to come to the teen center, but that they're delivered home safely. And how can we use them as the change agents for the city to ensure that they are safe? Um, and speaking with the teens at the teen center, you know, probably all of them are Atlantic City natives. They believe in the future. They want to stay here. They want to continue to feed their roots here, and they're looking for a safer, a safer community. Right. Um, so by engaging them, our next generation, to heal the community and figure out what are those safety measures is really the best way to go about fixing things for the future. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and it's a lot about supportive services, right? We, and we have a lot of services out there today um, throughout our county uh, and throughout our country, honestly, and, and they're doing some great work. But a lot of times it's just the initiation of that service, and it, there's not a real true supportive service plan behind it. And one of our failures in helping others, honestly, is that we're most of us as humans are great starters. But can we do the long run? Can we continue to be there? Can we continue to build those supportive services to give people those small victories to make them successful? And that's really, you know, about that's how we make change, right? That's and, and teaching youth, honestly, that formula and, and them understanding how to affect and make change last is incredible, right? And that that's really something that, you know, when it, we talk about resiliency, we talk about affecting change, we talk about youth involvement, um, that's really where we're going, uh, you know, mentality-wise. So in the world of youth development, we like to speak to a continuum of learning. Um, all of our kids get into a car or they get on the bus and they look at their phone to not only get directions, but what time are you going to be there? And I pretty much believe that I grew up in a, in a time where I got into a car. Sometimes I didn't know where I was going with my parents. Right. I didn't know where I was going and I certainly had no idea what time I was going to arrive. And that was right. part of the game in the car. What time are we going to get there? Is yeah. it going to be 4.15, 5.15, et cetera? Right. Um, so we have to understand that the generation that we're dealing with, really, they're inherently planners. They want to know what's going to happen next. Right. They're not going for a joyride. Right. So here at the club, and, and Najee, our Youth of the Year who's here with us today, is really the perfect example of this. She's been a club kid since she was five years old. Wow. Every time you come into one of our boys and girls clubs, you're introduced to customized programming that is based on what's happening today in the world. What are those 21st century skills that you need to grow up into a competent, confident, self-sustaining adult? And what we do at the teen center is we fuse that with a hard skill related to a career that maybe they might be interested in. So we have a variety that you can choose from. Right now we're offering an OSHA 10 certification for construction safety. We're offering hospitality serve safe certifications, CPR certifications for those who might be interested in healthcare. Um, so we're really trying to cover the gamut of what are those high priority occupations in Atlantic City that will give our kids a future so when they graduate from high school, when they enter the real world of work, are they going to post-secondary school? Are they going to college? Are they getting a degree? Do they, are, they not doing a, are they not going to get a degree? Maybe they're going to be an electrical apprentice. So we want to be able to support our kids through that continuum so they can see what's next. Um, and with that, if it's okay, I'd love to introduce our Youth of the Year. Absolutely. Please do. So this was a very special Youth of the Year competition at the Boys and Girls Club this year. Last Friday, we had our competition, and we had three women compete. 
Najee is here. Uh, she will introduce herself. Um, her speech last week was absolutely amazing, as were our other two contestants as well. Um, all three young women spoke in front of Jackie Grace from the Tropicana, Brian Jackson from Stockton, Natalie Devinish, the dean at Atlantic Cape Community College's Worthington campus, and of course, Mayor Small. And they were wowed. In fact, the judges had to come together for about 40 minutes after the competition to really determine who the winner would be. Wow. Najee has been with the club since the age of five. She went to Richmond Avenue School. Her speech talked about leadership. She's clearly a leader. In fact, I just grabbed her downstairs and she was working on a college application with our college and career uh, coordinator. Um, she really is an exemplary, wonderful young person who has come up through the club ranks um, and hopefully she won't stay too far. She won't, <laughs> she won't go too far. Um, but with that, I, I'd love you to introduce yourself and, and talk about what the club means to you and, and certainly the, the parts about leadership that you spoke to last week. Mm, hi, my name is Najee. I'm 17. I go to Langsley High School. Um, after, co after high school, I'm planning to go to college for broadcast journalism. Um, one thing that I love about the club is that even though I've been going here since I'm five, since I was five, I don't feel like I grew out of the club. I watched the Boys and Girls Club evolve with me. And these partnerships are what help the club do that. There's always something new to do at the club. You're never really bored. There's always something new to try, something new to learn, new people to meet here. And these partnerships just really keep the club active and really motivate the kids to want more, dream more. Even the club's even willing to ask you, like, what do you guys think you want to do? So I think that's just really helpful in helping us grow and become adults. That's great. Do you have any questions uh, to Stephanie or you put her on the spot? You got her now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, for a while, I didn't know that Boys and Girls Club was open during the summer. I think it's great you guys were even open when schools weren't. Um, do, did you guys notice like the effect that they had on the students here? Yes, absolutely. Um, I have two quick stories I can share. So our administrative offices are located at our Chelsea Club. Um, and we all have windows in our offices and, and there's a parking lot outside my window. And we had 50 kids enrolled at the Chelsea Club for summer camp last summer. And I was on a Zoom meeting as we were all getting used to technology and, and these virtual ways of talking to people and doing business. And my window was open. And outside the window, there were kids playing in the parking lot and I was not muted. And someone on the Zoom call said, Stephanie, can you mute your Zoom? And I said, oh, so sorry, I was apologetic. And then someone else said, please don't mute your Zoom. We have not heard children playing and screaming and laughing in so long mm. that please leave it open. So I actually moved my computer so they could see what was <laughs> going on and seeing the play that was happening. And it, it really was the most unfortunate time you know, I, I mean, as someone who works in youth development and as a parent, not allowing children to be together where they thrive together, where their mental wellness really is the central perspective of why we do what we do was, was heart-wrenching. Right. Um, so it was a gift to be able to open the club at a smaller census, um, to, but to be able to serve some kids. Um, we actually talked about thinking that the schools were going to reopen in the fall. Wouldn't it be an interesting experiment a good research project to see, you know, how do our children, how do our club kids who have been in summer camp react 
to being reacclimated to school? Are there incident behavior reports? Are, you know, is right. anybody in trouble versus those kids who are now starting to reacclimate? Um, of course, school did not reopen and, and continued to be virtual, but that was one of the driving forces that made us stay open. We had a feeling that our kids needed to be safely together. So we did everything that we could. Um, you know, you raise a great point, right? Because communication constantly is the battle in Atlantic City. I always hear that. Well, we didn't know you were doing that. We didn't know you were doing that. And, you know, what we're working with our kids, because technology changes so quickly, right? At, every week we're saying, are you guys using Facebook? Are you using Instagram? Do you check your email? What's your, how can we access you? How can we tell you what's going on? And that's something that at the club we're really trying to be progressive about. Um, you know, we even talked about getting all of our kids' email accounts, which is a whole other story. But actually, when I started at the club, our staff didn't have email accounts. Um, so wow. we've, we've expanded in that way. Um, but communication is really a struggle in Atlantic City. And, and now we're actually launching a project about COVID education. It's actually launching next week. And we opened up an account with Language Lines, so that way we can easily translate our messaging into any language that we want. Right now, we've surveyed our families, and we need to focus on Vietnamese, Spanish, English, and Bengali. Um, but we're looking to expand that even more. So playing on that diversity across all three of our clubs, we want to make sure the families have the information that they need so their kids can have the services and programming that they need. That's incredible. Squirrel, do you have any questions for me? You got the sheriff on, on the spot too, so. I just would like to know, um, how, how does the police department go about the youth in the city? Right. So um, the specific city of Atlantic City, which is where we're at today, is of course run by Atlantic City Police Department, and they have they have youth programs in you know themselves and things that they work with uh, different organizations within the city itself. Which I'm actually I don't run that I uh, so I'm the sheriff of the county, um, but we also again our connection with youth throughout the county is through programs like the Boys and Girls Club through like the HT PAL programs. Um, and we, you know, we, we try to, through our internship programs that we actually mentor people uh, from Stockton and ACC. And so we try to connect uh, with the youth of the city through that way. We also unfortunately connect with youth through our Hope One project uh, with, and through the uh, children in court. So, um, you know, we continue to try to wrap around those services that we're able to give um, to those individuals to be able to build them up and to give them, again, I'm a very big supportive services person. So when we touch someone, uh, regardless of where that is, we try to, try to continue to stay connected with that person, giving them opportunities through us, giving them through opportunities through partnerships. So that's kind of our, our mentoring ship for youth in our, our county wide. Uh, Atlantic City PD, again, does a great job, and they have plenty of partnerships. We'll have to get one of them, their chief or someone, uh, to come in and, and speak about some of the youth programs. Uh, anything else? Can't ask that question. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anything else you have? Um, no. All right. So it's St. Patty's Day today, right? Yes, so, I have on my yeah, green. Yeah, I have my green on, too. <laughs> I, Stephanie didn't wear a green, but that's okay. Um, I think you have green nails. Is that green nails? What you, the, the gray. Gray. Okay, thank you. Right. All right. You're welcome. <laughs> you have the um, spirit. Yeah, bro. you have the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you, know, we, you know, we talked a lot about partnerships and how partnerships have empowered all of us, right, and been able to help us uh, create better services for the people out there in our county and our community. Uh, but let's talk about something else a little bit near and dear to my heart, which is food. So we'll start with you. 
What is your favorite comfort food to eat? Um, back baked macaroni and cheese. Oh, I love baked macaroni and cheese. Yeah. My wife has a recipe of baked macaroni and cheese that has like Worcestershire sauce in it and mustard and like three different cheeses and it's so rich and so creamy. Oh, we love it. I love it. It's such a true comfort food, isn't it? Yes, my dad makes the best. Does he really? Yeah. All right, we're going to have a Mac off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you got to choose any place you wanted uh, and Stephanie was going to take you out to dinner tonight, where would you want to go? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm. No pressure. We're on a little time zone. So. No, just kidding. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not a big... Um, Out to eat person? Yeah. There, is there anywhere in Atlantic City that you're like, wow, let's just go grab a bite there real quick? Up down, where, where do you uh, do you live? Oh, for, for breakfast? Yeah, or anything. I love going hot bagel. All and right. Inlet. I love their own breakfast sandwiches. And what do, you, what do you get? What do you usually get? Uh, I get turkey, bacon, egg, and cheese on the bagel. They I have like the it. best bagels. Really? Yes. Well, I, I I don't know if you know. I mean, you are young. South Jersey has one of the best bagels in the world. Yeah. I mean, you and can go... And sub rolls. Yeah, yeah, and sub rolls. <laughs> you can go anywhere, and it has a lot to do with our water, believe mm-hmm. it or not. You can go anywhere in the country, and you can get a bagel somewhere else, and they're not actually bagels. I'm not sure what they are. Our bagels are uniquely different, and they, they taste different. They're just so yeah, good. Yeah, I love bagels, too. Uh, I, yeah. I like gutting it and toasting it and pork roll, egg, and cheese. Whew. It's a hard thing to beat. How about you, Stephanie? What, what's, uh, what's one of your favorite comfort foods out there? I'm a hummus and pita kind of person, All believe right. it or not. All right. No? Yes, I, um, I'm a pescatarian, so okay. I'm actually not... I'm very easy to please. As my husband would say, I've eaten a, a salad at probably every restaurant in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> um, but I will, may I use this for a quick plug? Yes, sure. So speaking about being a change agent for our little neighborhood where our teen center is located, we have a special project that's about to launch out of the club. So as yes. the community knows, we have a hospitality training program with a commercial kitchen, and it's really been a really wonderful gift. Every single night, we have an executive chef, Chef Pam Green, who cooks a five-star meal for our kids. Tonight, she was hand-scraping potato chips. Wow. Making them herself. There's there curry chicken. Left? There are some. <laughs> we, can, we can find you some. Or, I came in, and I was served homemade granola. Oh. It's, uh, you know, we are treated very well here at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, but that being said, we're about to open a club cafe. So soon, probably within the next four to six months, we're going to be having a slight renovation to our kitchen. So there will be a cafe window open on Mediterranean Avenue where our teens, as well as their parents during the day, hoping that they return to school and our club is empty during the day again in the fall, um, will have a job training program, preparing them for the Atlantic Cape Community College Culinary Program as well. So we'll be able to serve coffee and signature sandwiches and smoothies and, and all types of things to the local rush, to the local neighborhood, to the Pennsylvania Avenue school staff, to the courts, et cetera. So we're really looking forward to having these work-based learning experiences here at the club. And soon that will be my favorite restaurant. That's awesome. As soon as it's up and, and running. And I'll make sure that my, myself and my staff and we'll, we'll swing around and we'll pick up Chaz at AC High. We'll come around and we'll, we'll make sure that we're uh, here as customers. Thank you. We're no very doubt. excited about it. So stay tuned on details for that one as yeah, well. Yeah, that's exciting. It's exciting. And, and, and Sheriff, your favorite huh. restaurant and meal? Um, so I'm a little bit all over the place when it comes to food. So, but since it's St. Patty's Day... 
corned beef is definitely something that I am very much uh, looking forward to in the next couple of hours. Um, there's something about corned beef, the smell of it, the taste, the texture of it. And I, you know, it's interesting because, you know, and people say all the time, you know, I have a lot of people in my family that are vegetarians and pescatarians and, you know, a lot of, and they do it for a lot of different reasons. I respect whatever reason, if taste, morals, whatever it may be. And, and, and I love vegetables and I love fish. And I tell people all the time that I would be a vegetarian too. Uh, but meat tastes really good, and uh, <laughs> so it's and so the corned beef is really something that's just the smell, the texture, and I'm really looking forward to it today um, with a little bit of cabbage and salt and pepper and a little bit of butter on that cabbage. And we're actually making uh, little potatoes, and we what we do is we we boil them first, and then we cover them in butter, a healthy version, and uh, salt and pepper, and then we smash them, and we put garlic all over them, and we put them in the oven, and we roast them. Um, so we're doing, nice. we're doing corned beef, cabbage, and smashed potatoes today, and I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited about that. And, and restaurants and places, and I eat a lot of different places throughout the county, and it really depends on my craving. I, I love hummus, too. I'm a big hummus person. I'm a Mediterranean. I, right. Yeah. So yeah. It, it and just, olives and hummus yep. and, and a, a good Greek salad or a good salad is magnificent. Yes. I mean, you put a little fish or a little steak on it, too, but, you know, um, uh, it's... There's a lot of great places to eat, and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them as we move forward, too. I want to first thank Stephanie and Najee for being here today. Uh, this is an incredible uh, opportunity for all of us in Atlanta County, not only to have voices here, but have input from uh, our youth, and also not only as a voice, but also as a broadcaster, as a as a media person, as all the different things that we're going to need to support of this. So it's a really exciting. And of course, this show and this episode was about partnerships. And you can see just our partnership today that gave birth to this uh, podcast. So uh, coming up next episode, we'll discuss uh, community gardens and farming. And uh, we'll make sure that you subscribe to Hope Exists podcast, and we hope to see you, and we welcome your input and your questions, and, and I look forward to many more of these. Thank you both. Thank you, Sheriff. We're delighted to have you, delighted for another partnership, delighted to use our music studio here at the Teen Center, and delighted to celebrate our Youth of the Year. She's on her way to the New Jersey State competition in a couple months, so get ready for more news coming your way. But thank you. This is really a wonderful partnership, and I look forward to many more uh, partnerships developing in the future. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Chaz. Thank you, Jamie. Couldn't have done it without either one of you. And Mia, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Hi, this is Paige Vaccaro, the founder and co-president of Communities Revolutionizing Open Public Spaces, also known as CROPS, a New Jersey nonprofit organization. Co-president Alicia Newcomb will be joining me on this episode of Hope Exists to talk about how CROPS inspires individual and collective hope through a comprehensive collaborative approach to community development. Crops hosts farmers markets, supports local farmers, creates and manages community gardens, and offers a variety of virtual events and educational experiences. Tune in to learn about all of this and more. Thanks for joining us for the Hope Exists podcast live from the Boys and Girls Club in Atlantic City. 